Hey, Courtney. Hey, Sasha. You know, you getting bit by that llama was just the start of it. Start of what? The alpacalypse. Oh, no. <laughs> it's spoof hour. <laughs> paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two halloweenies this is sasha this is courtney we're both real greasy on a sunday night clock it in <laughs> yeah also sweaty oh yes yeah, so sweaty yes. it's i it's not well, hot today but it is damp and muggy and also the two of us sweat in our sleep a lot and yes. i took a fat nap before this podcast and my armpits smell real bad <laughs> I, welcome to our podcast <laughs> the true horror is how gross we both are right now yeah sunday night sunday it's going night. great for us spoop hour is on the internet where you can't yeah. smell us thank god thank if god you i haven't check discovered us. smell a vision yet oh thank god if instagram ever gets a scratch and sniff option we're gonna close our instagram because game over for us <laughs> it's just gonna <laughs> smell like dank and moldy and Ugh, like witch feet sweaty yeah oh i smell like witch feet today for sure <laughs> we are on the internet where you can't smell us at spoop hour on twitter and instagram instagram we post images from the episode so if we talk about something that's a visual or if we say funny things, we put them on pictures, and it's fun. It's fun. It's really cute. I think Courtney does a great job. Oh, I just thought you. about it. My armpits smell like Baba Yaga's house's feet. That's, Ooh. yeah, specifically the little chicken feet. Okay, <laughs> That's what my well, armpits smell like. Then we're the perfect match, because I'm pretty sure I both look and smell like Baba Yaga today. Uh, so, we're perfect for each other. <laughs> we're perfect for each other. It's Baba Yaga and Baba Yaga's chicken foot house. Check it in <laughs> for an episode on Sunday. If you would like to see us when we will both be showered and nice looking. I'll wear makeup. We are going to be joining, once again, live stream for The Cure. It's going to be fun. On Sunday, May 31st. So if you're listening to this the day it comes out, that's this coming Sunday. If you're listening to it any other day, look at a calendar. I know we don't know what day it is, but your phone and your computer and maybe you have a page a day calendar. I don't know. Look to see when the 31st is. Because even though time is an illusion, we do have a time slot. We do. <laughs> yes. Live stream for a cure. Time will start existing again for live stream for The Cure. So starting on this Thursday, which I think is the 27th, who's yeah. to say? What is time? There's going to be a kickoff event in the evening, and then there's going to be nonstop live streaming over the course of Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So you can join for other shows. You've got Brooke Reading Podcast, I Shake My Head with Lisa and Sam, a bunch of really good pod friends are going to be coming on. It's going to be a great time. And we have our official time slot is at 11 a.m. Eastern time. So look up, go ahead and ask Google, what time is 11 a.m. Eastern time here? Yeah. So West Coast friends, check that out. Yeah, that's 8 a.m. West Coast time. Okay. We sh also need to tell Bogman what time yes. to... I'll tweet at him. Yes. <laughs> and then if he's actually, if he joins us, I'll explode. And then there will be no games. So you could just It'll just be me talking to myself. <laughs> Can't believe Courtney exploded. Yeah, crazy, right? And then we'll find out if ghosts are real, because I'll come back. If you live in Ireland, that's going to be 4 p.m. your time, because you're five hours ahead of us. I believe that's the same time as it is in the UK. So mm -hmm. it'll also be 4 p.m. there. And then please do the math for whatever other time in I, in Australia, you would have to be up at, like, 3 in the morning on Monday. I'm sorry about that, but, yeah. you know, we're doing our best. Come hang out. We're going to be playing a game. Mm -hmm. Not to toot my own horn, but toot fucking toot. I toot, finished toot. the game toot today. Toot your horn. It's a great game. We're reprising the game we did last year, which is Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction, which is a game that tests how well Sasha can identify what's an urban legend and what's a real thing that happened. And going I'm, into this game... I'm not real good at that. No, it's going to be real hard this year, I think. Because... <laughs> I was actively reading these things, and I was like, that can't be real, and then it was. 
So that's fine. I Going into it, I was going to use something we did talk about and just see if you had remembered it, where there was a murder case where a parrot was called in to testify because a woman killed her husband. Yes. And the parrot recorded him saying, don't fucking shoot, don't fucking shoot, in the husband's voice. And that was called in to be a witness. So I was going to put that in the game. But I read so much batshit stuff <laughs> about the course of human history today that I did not have room in the game for the parrot murder. So it's come so... find out what batshit stuff is in this game. I'm so excited. So come hang out. And we're yeah. raising money for a good cause. Every dollar donated, I think, is going to be donated to the Cancer Research Institute, and we have a matching donor. So if we make our goal of $10,000, we will raise $20,000 for cancer research, which is pretty baller. That's so cool. Did anything spooky happen to you this week? My phone died. Okay. <laughs> What could be spookier in this what, modern yeah. day and age? This morning, my phone woke me up. Alarm clock worked, and then I hit snooze, rolled back over, woke up two hours later, like, shit, I promised at 11 a.m. I would FaceTime with one of my coworkers' kids, Yeah, because it's been, like, three months since we hung out, yeah. and my phone would not turn on. Your and phone was it, like, oh, you'll snooze me? I'll show you snooze, motherfucker. <laughs> and that was the end of your phone. So, yeah, Jack Jack was trying to help me with it. It seems like it's, it's dead dead, so I'm going to try to either figure out how to get Best Buy to look at it, even though they're not doing online scheduling. Apple is closed, so I can't take it to Apple. <laughs> I might end up mailing it. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. So hopefully within a week, I will maybe have a phone. But Fingers crossed. The good thing is I still have a work laptop. True. Which has Twitter. So. And you live in a house with someone who has a working phone. And I do have, yeah, so. I, I live with a person with a phone. But the other not spooky but real nice thing that happened this week is that I needed to take my glass recycling to the glass recycling bin um, because our county doesn't do curbside anymore, which is fine. They're doing the recycling differently. And I was like, oh, I have like one little box of recycling. Let me text (laughs) Courtney and see what she's got because I can just like go pick it up and drop it off on my way home running errands. Here's the thing about my household. We're really good about recycling, but... We're bad about taking the glass recycling to the glass recycling thing. So we had a big-ass box of glass recycling. And I literally had told Mysterious Third Roommate earlier in the day, hey, I'm prepping this glass recycling stuff. It's in this box. If you want to do it, that's fine. If not, I'll do it in the next couple of days. And then Sasha texted Mm -hmm. saying, hey, do you have glass recycling? So I guess that's the spooky thing, right, that I knew that you were talking about it. I recycled 59 pieces of glass (laughs) between our two households. We were 10 short of it being nice. And it was mostly from you guys because you like drinking, or someone in your house likes drinking the glass bottle frappuccinos. That would be both Mysterious Third Roommate and Science Roommate. I do not drink the frappuccinos. I drink a plastic bottle thing that goes in the And then there were some bottles of alcohol, like I guess wine in there too. And yeah, so it's like, meanwhile, like for me and Jackie, it was like soy sauce bottle, soy sauce (laughs) bottle. We had a bunch of soy sauce bottles in there actually. Yeah, you guys had a bunch of sauce bottles in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, In this house, we love... We love sauce, frappuccinos, <laughs> and alcohol. Yeah, in our house we love sauce. Yeah, because ours was also a lot of tomato sauce jars. Yeah, um, sauce and so sauce. that was yeah. It was nice. I got to see mm-hmm. you and mysterious third roommate through the glass storm yeah. door while I stood on the sidewalk. We had a nice little social distance hello. <laughs> it was nice. Where we waved and yelled at each other, and it was through nice. a door. Yeah, through a door. <laughs> <laughs> so we were safe, but we also got to see each other, which was mm-hmm. great. Yeah. How about you? Anything spooky besides me texting you out of the blue about glass recycling? Well, I did. After you texted me that, I messaged Mysterious Third Roommate and I was like, Sasha's a witch. And she was like, (laughs) what? And I was like, you know how literally like two hours ago I texted you about the glass recycling? She just texted to be like, hey, do you have glass recycling? I can swing by today to pick it up. (laughs) Like literally it was a matter of hours and I was super freaked out. It was amazing. The only spooky thing that happened to me happened to me last week. I believe it was Tuesday night, maybe Wednesday night. I was lying in bed. I had my windows open because we were having a cool spring evening. Mm -hmm. It was in like the 60s. I was vibing. I loved it. Sure. And I had like the nice soft nature sounds of the outside nature that exists because I like nature from a distance. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I'm like on the cusp of sleep. I'm reading the Twilight book, which sucks. And I'm doing it because I hate myself. (laughs) And I hear, ah! and 
I'm like, what the actual fuck? And so I, like, shoot up in bed. I, like, turn the light on. Fling myself at the window. And then, once again, just, ah, ah, ah. And it was a fucking fox that was just (laughs) screaming so loud for, like, half an hour. I had to close my windows, and I was so sad. Because this fucking fox could not shut its mouth. You know... That fox is a 2020 mood. That is a vibe for sure. Yeah, I actually managed to because it kept happening and I was like, well, I'm awake. I may as well get some content out of it. I did post it to the Spoop Hour Instagram story. So if you heard that, that's what was happening is a fucking fox. It just, (laughs) wow. We all want to go out into the woods and scream, but like, just keep it to business hours. It's, that's a mood. Anyway, what are we talking about today, Sasha? The end of the world. Doomsday. Yes, we are talking about the apocalypse. The alpacalypse. The alpacalypse, just those big things that surround their scary teeth. We're talking about doomsday prophecies today. Doomsday prophecies. I'm going to be talking about the Mayan apocalypse, Mm -hmm. and I would love to kick things off before Sasha's big list of doomsday prophecies. Found a lot. Yeah. But the world still keeps going. It sure does. (laughs) And mine ends up, like... Look, things are real bleak right now. We're going to be as funny about this as possible. I don't believe the world is ending. I don't think you do either. No. No. Oh, no. I'm going to be talking about some of the people who are like, the the coronavirus is only the beginning of the end, but it's definitely not ending. The thing that's going to kill us is the heat death of the universe. Yes. It's going to get everybody in the end. (laughs) And that's fine. But first, let's kick things off with wikipediahistory.com, express.co.uk, nationalgeographic, mirror.co.uk, Scientific American, BBC, and ABC News. Cool. Aren't these, like, remarkably newsy sources? I was having a blast. I was like, wow, this is a reputable source. This isn't, like, iheartthepocalypse.blogspot.com. Yeah, I had, like, How Stuff Works, Time, Encyclopedia Britannica, and CNN. So, like, This is, like, the most legit episode of Spoop Hour ever. No weird sources today. Yeah. You can suck it, Tumblr. I don't need to use you as a primary source anymore. (laughs) Anyway. If you'll recall, in 2012, for a while, a lot of people thought the world was going to end. That only eight years ago? What was the deal with that? Yeah, that was eight years ago. (laughs) It feels so much longer. Uh, I mean, so much has happened in 2012. This year alone has been eight years long. That's true. So when the Mayan society collapsed, which was by 900 CE, we don't super know exactly when it was collapsed, but they basically just abandoned all of their structures, and there's no concrete proof of what exactly ended the civilization. Mm-hmm. Most likely, based on much debate and everything else, it was a combination of conquistadors coming through and fucking shit up, overforming of resources and just, like, kind of fucking shit up, mm-hmm. war with other city-states in the local area fucking, fucking shit, shit up. up, and drought fucking, fucking shit, shit up, but dryly. So, after 900 CE, the Mayans had left behind a bunch of artifacts and like stone structures and shit among the most commonly cited remnants of the mayan culture was a series of sophisticated calendar systems so their systems relied on two primary forms of calendar you have the calendar round which is based on 365 days comprised of two overlapping yearly cycles So one of the cycles is the 260-day sacred year, and then you also have a 365-day secular year that consists of 18 months that are 20 days long. I love this because I like the idea that there are 105 days a year that are not holy, but which days are they? We just just don't don't know. (laughs) But for 105 days a year, you're on your own. God's got other shit going on. (laughs) So each of those 20 days of the month had two labels. So you had the day number and day name from the sacred year if it was on those 260 days. Or you had the day number and day name from the secular year. So off the bat, this is the simpler of the two calendars, and it's pretty confusing. We'll get into more of why this matters later. The calendar round counted intervals in 52 years, and at the end of the interval, the the calendar would reset. So it didn't predict anything. It was just like a way of tracking the time. Also, I'm realizing now that it's probably not that, you know, 105 days of the year you're on your own. It's probably the 260 days restarts at the end of the 260 days. But let me have this. It's been such a long week. Yeah. (laughs) I'm so sweaty. (laughs) Please just let me have this. (laughs) 
for specific things like tallying historical events or maybe predicting apocalypses. And I put in my notes to quote Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It turns out I suddenly find myself needing to know the plural of apocalypse. Apocalypse? Apocalypses. Oh, okay. When I looked up the quote because I wanted to make sure I got it right, I somebody else was like, "So what is the plural of apocalypse?" And everybody was like, "It's apocalypses." Not exciting. Not exciting. Alpacalypse. That's what is the plural. Anyway, they had the long count calendar to mark down historical stuff and predict things. This was established around 300 BC, and it counted forward from a base point, which was calculated to be August 11th. 3,114 BCE. So they counted way the fuck back. Yeah. (laughs) And so that was like moment one for this calendar. Mm -hmm. Time on the long count calendar was measured in five different units. Mm -hmm. You had the smallest one, which was called a kin, and that's one day. Okay. So then you have the winal, which is 20 days or 20 kin. Then you have the ton, which is 360 days. Then you have the katun, which is 7,200 days. And then you have the mac daddy clocking in at 144,000 days. You have the back ton. Okay. A single cycle of the long count calendar lasts 13 back tons, which is about 5,126 solar years. Damn. If you're not good at doing fast math, which God knows I'm not, what is... 5,126 years from August 11th, 3,114 BCE. That's right. December 21st, 2012. Allegedly. Please don't criticize my math. I didn't do it. This is... This is what everybody else did. And I'm just <laughs> She's them. just reporting. I'm, I'm just an innocent bystander. I don't know things. <laughs> we were... I was... Wait, no, I graduated college in spring of 2012. But yeah, we were about wee babes. Yeah, you were in in grad school. I was in grad school. I was working a really crappy job. (laughs) Yeah, so we we didn't cause the apocalypse. No. Or we didn't calculate the apocalypse. We we averted it, but we'll get into that in a second. So where does the apocalypse come in with the December 21st, 2012 date? Well, there is a single culprit for that. That's right. Just one culprit, because everything I had heard remotely about the 2012 apocalypse in the lead up to the 2012 apocalypse was like, this is the be all and end all. The Mayans were like, holy shit, it's going to end in 2012. No, no. One tablet. <laughs> and this tablet was 1300 years old and it came from Mexico. It vaguely describes something going down with Bolan Yocte, who is the Mayan god of creation and war at the end of the long count calendar. So one translation of this one tablet suggested that this passage pointed to some sort of cataclysmic world-ending event like an apocalypse. Okay. But somehow this one translation of this one tablet is the one that blew the fuck up. (laughs) As 2012 inched steadily closer, theories started flying as to what exactly was going to happen to the world. Among those theories, you have... The arrival of the next solar maximum, which is a period of high sun activity. Mm -hmm. This increase in sun activity could impact the Earth by affecting climate, messing with magnetism, etc., etc. You also have, the Earth would suddenly collide with the supermassive black hole at the center of the galaxy. And I put in my notes, how? How? Who's to say? (laughs) (laughs) But on December 21st, 2012... It would the day would dawn and all of a sudden the earth would careen into the black hole and collapse in on it. I just that that physics. <laughs> no. <laughs> what is physics? What is fi- but we just don't know. We that's okay. <laughs> You're like keep, but we keep do going. Know. Keep going. <laughs> There's also a variation on this theory that the whole galaxy would suddenly notice the big black hole at the center of it and be like let's just jump hop in. on here. Just whoop and just like <laughs> every Super planet Mario becomes sentient is like, let's go on the water slide. <laughs> Yeah, basically, the galaxy would go on the water slide that led to the supermassive black hole and then collapse. Here comes the water slide! (laughs) (laughs) And you all remember when that happened, right? In 2012. We all jumped in a water slide all together. And then we ended up in a black hole. It was fine. We all came out the other side. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. It was basically the movie Interstellar. (laughs) You also had the theory that Bolan Yokti himself would show up and wreak 
a bunch of chaos before he yeeted the planet into the sun or something. I would have liked to see that. <laughs> I would love to see him pop up and to then just be like, Yeet. this planet's empty. Yeet. <laughs> just Yeet launch it into the sun. this planet. <laughs> That's basically what the tablet said is yeet this planet. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> There was also the thought that out of nowhere, the Earth axes would shift, and in so doing, risk humanity and all the living creatures flying off the Earth as the poles flipped and or pointed too close to the sun and fried us all or something. <laughs> you also have... The planet eats us. <laughs> the planet is just like, no. Nope. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> you also have, what else? Aliens. Aliens. They would land on Earth, take a whole look at the mess that is humanity, and be like, no, I'm good, thank you, and, like, destroy us for whatever reason. <laughs> you also had that a super volcano would spring up out of nowhere and lava us all to death, or ash and sulfur us to death. Unsure. Sure. Something super volcano-y. fine. And then the best one, my favorite one... The Nibiru Cataclysm, which is the collision of the planet Earth into the mystical planet Nibiru. <laughs> Nibiru is purportedly a giant planet sometimes called Planet X that was allegedly on a crash course for Earth and was set to hit in December 2012. Obviously, this planetary smushing would end everything and bring about the apocalypse because planets are not made to, like, click together like marbles. No. <laughs> Although, if you watch the end of Men in Black, that scientifically accurate it film, it was marbles. Each galaxy is a marble. That's how the galaxy could be on Orion's belt. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Orion was the cat. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't his belt, it was his, his collar. Spoilers for Men in Black. If you the haven't seen that, that scientifically like... <laughs> accurate. If you haven't movie seen that documentary with... that came out like 26 years ago. Yeah. Turns out Will Smith actually fights aliens. He does. Yeah. And NYPD means I will knock your punk, punk ass, ass down, down. Which was a formative line for me as a child. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> anyway, in the days leading up to December 21st, 2012, concerns about the apocalypse were surprisingly widespread. Like, obviously, other doomsday prophecies had come and gone, but none had the pomp and the weight that the Mayan mm -hmm. apocalypse had. One Reuters global poll conducted in May 2012 found that one in ten people were feeling a little bit anxious about the December 2012 apocalypse. That's insanity. Yeah. That's one in every ten people. Think of ten people you know. One of them was convinced the world was going to end. That's Don't nuts. Don't like that. <laughs> no. A village in the south of France had to bar access to a mountain in their region because a bunch of people were trying to make their way up it because they thought if they were there... On December 21st, 2012, a UFO would come and rescue them. You know, that's a common thing in all the doomsday stories yeah. I'm going to be telling you in a little bit. UFOs. Yeah. 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 I mean, UFOs get their stink on everything. Yeah, they do. In March 2012, NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab took time out of their busy jet propulsion days to put out a video refuting the apocalyptic prediction. This is a real video good, that good real scientists made. Yeah. JPL was like, well, if you guys are going to be ridiculous, we're going to have to make this video. This is why we can't have nice things. They even specifically mentioned that if Nibiru, the planet, was coming, NASA would have seen it long before it got close. Because they're like, it's a big fucking planet. All we do is look into the sky. We would see a big fucking planet. Like, we'd know if there was something on Earth's way. <laughs> yeah. And then the theory about the axes flipping. Oh, this is an autocorrect in my notes. Uh I put in my notes, the theory about the axes flipping? Nay, the orbit of the moon stabilizes the rotation axis, so it's impossible for them to shift without warning. I put nah, but nah. apparently Google Drive was like, no, you mean nay. <laughs> nay. Nay, the orbit of the moon. So the truth of the matter is, it is possible for our rotation axis to flip. But it takes, like, 500,000 years. Like, it's a thousand-year-long process. So, one, we would absolutely have seen it coming. And two, the worst consequence would be needing to recalibrate compasses. It wouldn't yeet us into the sun. It wouldn't make everybody fly off of the planet. It wouldn't destroy our atmosphere. And the NASA Jet Propulsion Lab even made a point to be, like... Earth already has, like, a magnetic layer to our atmosphere. So anything 
cataclysmic going on with the sun, for the most part, is absorbed by that magnet layer. Yeah. So we're okay. <laughs> yeah. And Science. Vid- Science. You gotta love it. I sure do. I do. The video featured them saying that it couldn't be a NASA cover-up, because I'm sure they they were anticipating people being like, that's exactly what you would say if you saw Nibiru coming and you knew the poles were going to flip. They said it couldn't be a NASA cover-up because there would be too many moving pieces in the form of astronomers. With how many thousands of people were sure to have known about it, someone would have spilled the beans about there being an apocalypse coming. Yeah, I read a great kind of summation recently about people who believe in conspiracy theories, which stems off of our more recent episode about conspiracy theories, which is... Mm -hmm. People who think that conspiracy theories can actually happen or, like, cover-ups can happen like that have never been a project manager. Mm -hmm. They've never had to deal with, like, so many moving components and so many moving parts and so many people Mm -hmm. (laughs) that, like... Even group projects in high school, you couldn't keep a lid on any of that shit. It was all getting out. (laughs) I mean, like, I think about just even at my school, like, when we were hearing that we were getting a new principal, mm-hmm. how fast that rumor mill went, and also <laughs> how knew. quickly that even though people were told to, like, sort of keep the pre- principal selection committee stuff to yourself if you're on the committee, how much information I got from people on the principal selection committee, because people oh, yeah. can't keep their mouths shut. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, it's, like... Like, cover-ups can happen, and they do, but they usually yes. get found out very quickly. <laughs> because of human error and human sloppiness. Yeah. Like, what's weird to me is that the people who believe in cons- conspiracy theories generally have a low opinion of humans in general. Yeah. And it's like, you think that humans are so competent that they can cover this huge thing up, and not one person is going to run their mouths about it? Come yeah. on. It, yeah. Someone D- And also, would. I don't think NASA has enough funding to pay for a cover-up. No, are you kidding me? All we do is slash NASA funding. If they're going to spill the beans, they're absolutely going to spill the beans. Yeah, they're going to spill the beans about their funding. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to be like, hey, guys, so we can't afford to have muffins in the break room anymore, but we would appreciate it if you still kept the tight, heavy lid on the upcoming apocalypse. Okay, bye. No, Mm -mm. them beans are spilled. (laughs) We didn't get muffins. We did. Oh, I'm calling the press. The apocalypse is coming. We're not that good at keeping our mouths shut. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there was a... I can't remember what video game aspect it was, but, like, someone got drunk at, like, a convention or, like, an industry meeting or something and, like, mm-hmm. left out a prototype for, like, a PlayStation 4 or something. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> like, you can't... And if anybody's <laughs> going to be able to keep a tight, heavy lid on a secret, it's going to be PlayStation. Like, yeah, like, it's you a think proprietary about, like, technology. They absolutely don't want that shit getting out. <laughs> like, if it's getting out, it's proof that humans suck at keeping secrets. Yeah. We're bad at it. We're really bad at it. Anyway. I want to do, like, another episode of our conspiracy theories because... Oh, there like, are just so many conspiracy theories. There's so many that need even more debunking. And all of them rely on humans not taking every possible opportunity to be like... You want to hear this cool thing that I heard at work today? (laughs) Yeah. Ultimately, with the Mayan apocalypse prediction, the biggest debunk of all came on December 21st, 2012. You don't say. The world did not end. Spoiler alert for eight years ago. Who knew? I will say, though, as I mentioned earlier, I was working at my terrible first job and we had a staff meeting like two days before the 21st and we had all of these like ridiculous, impossible deadlines. The deadlines were for like the 23rd. Yeah. And at the end of the meeting, we were all just like sitting there quietly like, oh my God, I have so much shit to do. And finally, I just go, well, look at it this way. If the world ends, we don't have to do it. <laughs> but the world did not end. The world I had did not end. Deadline. So did the Mayans get it wrong when their calendars got so many other things right. Was this the only thing they got wrong? Did they fuck up? Nope. Here's the thing. Remember the stone tablet, the one stone tablet that was translated to talk about bull and yachty in the, the end one of the world? Stone, the one stone tablet that everything hinged on? <laughs> yes. That was the only Mayan monument to mention 2012 at all. Literally nothing else that we have as a remnant of the Mayan civilization mentions anything about the year 2012 and even before 2012 dawned and the world didn't end that translation was disputed by scholars because the tablet being 1300 years old was kind of damaged and crucially some of the hieroglyphs on it were damaged to the point of not really being legible so they were just taking a stab in the dark at it 
But because the hieroglyphs couldn't be deciphered, could mean anything. (sighs) (laughs) Just let out a heavy sigh. It's amazing. And the consensus on even that tablet was that the end, like, so even if you go with the mistranslation, the consensus was the end of the long count calendar wasn't hallmarking the end of the world through the bringing of the apocalypse. Instead, it was the other purpose of Bolognakti. Remember, he was the god of war and creation. Instead of being the end of all things, it was instead to be a rebirth, which could be a lively and exciting thing rather than something to be dreaded. Yeah, it's the beginning of all things. Yes, or just like, it could just be a new era of something, like, God knows. Yeah. It's like when you pull the death card in tarot, and you're like, oh no, it's death. It's like, no, it's it's just, it's it's a new chapter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. And misunderstandings are to be expected. So even if we had a perfectly preserved tablet that said the end of the world is coming, as one scholar of, like, the Mayan culture notes, the calendar, for being as scientifically precise as it was for the time, also had a bunch of flowery and poetic language Uh that they used to denote things. For comparison, the scholar in question, David Stewart, wrote how the Mayans would have written about the New York Yankees sweep of the World Series in 1950. And I really like this, so I'm going to read it to you. (laughs) So, if the long count calendar mentioned that the New York Yankees swept the World Series, it would read, on October 7th, 1950, the New York Yankees defeated the Philadelphia Phillies to win the World Series. It happened 29 years after the first Yankees victory in the World Series in 1921. And so, 50 years before the year 2000 will occur, the Yankees won the World Series. It's not uncommon in ancient Mayan texts for historical events to be tethered to both things that came before Mm -hmm. and events as yet to occur. So it's very easy to mistranslate because Uh. you have, it's not just tethering it to 1921, which already happened. It's also looking ahead and going, well, 2000 is 50 years in the future. Let's put that down too so they know when 1950 was. That's confusing AF. Yeah. So even if you're going to, like, translate it precisely, it's very easy to get lost in, like... It's like an on-sequitur. Yeah. It has nothing to do with anything. No. It could just be they were being flowery and they were like, well, when you look to 2012, which is 6,000 years after this other thing and 400 years after this thing that happened, like, come on, it's confusing. Yeah. And while the Mayans did get some stuff right on their calendars, like they got right the position of the sun on December 21st, 2012, Mm -hmm. and from what I can tell, that wasn't their only, like, solar prediction that was right, they did miss some major events that they probably would have logged if they had some sort of mystical and super accurate future-seeing powers. Mm -hmm. Like, they didn't have the downfall of their own civilization. Right. Which, if they could see the future, presumably, they would have put it on their fucking calendar. Yeah. Hilariously, when I was researching for this episode, one of my Google suggestions was Mayan 2020 is 2012. So obviously I was like, don't mind if I click on this. Basically, parts of the internet are looking at the dumpster fire that 2020 has been Uh and saying, obviously, we got the calculations wrong. It wasn't the apocalypse coming in 2012. It's eight years later in 2020. That's also stupid because, (laughs) again, this isn't even the only Mayan long count calendar, they wouldn't have stopped making calendars. They would have just made another calendar for the next 5,126 years, for the next Bakhtan. Right. So one scholar put it like, when you look at the Chinese zodiac, Mm -hmm. when the year of the dragon ends, you know the next year is coming. It's not saying that everything that happened, it's going to completely wipe the map clean and nothing will ever happen again from the... You're going to start with the year of the rat again. Exactly. (laughs) So, finally, and this was the thing I found most wholesome... (laughs) Right before Doomsday Dawn, like a month before, mm-hmm. archaeologist William Saturno uncovered a series of numbers painted on the walls of an ancient Mayan complex in Guatemala. Hmm. Among them were calculations that went far into the future, 7,000 years from 2012. So, even by the Mayans' estimation, we've got a good 6,992 years to go. Yeah. Saturno put it best. We keep looking for endings. The Mayans were looking for a guarantee that nothing would change. It's an entirely different mindset. Oh. And I really like that. I like that. It's true. Our culture is looking. We're like, oh, no, endings got to come. The Mayans weren't looking for, like, this is when the world would end. They were just looking to the course of where is history going to take us? Mm -hmm. Is it going to be major changes or is it going to be something that we can kind of weather? Right. It's kind (laughs) of, I was just thinking about that, like, my, my own personal mindset where, like, 
the last time I went to Japan with my mom was in 2016. And every day I'd wake up and be like, oh, we only have 19 days left here. We only have 18 days left here. We only have 17 days left here. And she was always like, why don't you say, hey, we've got 17 more days to do things instead of we only have 17 days left. And she like kind of called me out on being a pessimist. And I realized like, yeah, I just kept counting down to like an ending of like my fun trip in Japan and not like... Right. Oh, l- let me think about all the things I can pack into 17 more days. Right. Exactly. So instead of it being a fun trip to Japan, think of it as the course of human history. Right. We keep looking for this all has to end sometime. When's yeah. it going to be? Mm-hmm. Whereas the Mayans were just like, I don't know, are things going to be basically the same tomorrow as they were today? Okay, but, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Or what can we do to make things better? Right. Exactly. And when I was thinking about like 2020 being a fucking dumpster fire, which it is, right. a lot of it is because shit like actually sucks and hasn't has been like so poorly mismanaged right mm-hmm. when you think about like why are people lacking health care why are people mm-hmm. lacking jobs why are people you know what why are people making more on unemployment than in the minimum wage right? right and then you have to think about like oh because shit's shitty and they've kept the minimum wage low right and right. so it's you're, not because the world is ending that things are shitty just because we're going through a time period where things are kind of shitty. Yeah, like, and people in power mismanage shit, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why everything it's is not, shitty. It's yeah. not necessarily going to be forever, like everything if, else. If we use this as, end. like, a new beginning to mm-hmm. create change, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the things that we can learn on a very upbeat level from the Mayan prediction that the world would end on December 21st, 2012. <laughs> Love to see it. All right, so let's talk about some other doomsday predictions. So Yay! we will talk a little bit about 2020. Basically, there's there, there have been doomsday predictions for a very long time. This, yeah. And even just thinking about, like, within the context of, like, Christianity. Mm-hmm. In the first century common era, early Christians believed Jesus would return to earth, bringing an end to life as they knew it, described in Mark 13, 24 to 26, right? Yeah. And basically it reads, but in those days after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened and the moon not, shall not give light and the stars of heaven shall fall and the powers that are heaven in, in heaven shall be shaken. They shall see the son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. So, like, just within the first century, like, they've been, like, Christians have been predicting this, right? Yeah. And basically, there's no shortage of these predictions, because sometimes it's, like, you know, zealots or, like, cult leaders trying to be, like, Mm -hmm. let me tell you about how smart I am, because I know this thing, right? But, yeah, basically, like, uh, other people are just saying, like, kind of maybe hoping for an escape from a world that seems chaotic, like like we just said about, like, you, rather than seeing this as an opportunity to make change or to, like, fix things, you're just like, well, I guess the world's gonna end. So I'll just go ahead and start with this list. So Sylvia Brown and the Book of Revelations, this is predicting the end of the world in 2020. So in the summer of 2008, an elderly psychic who claimed she started receiving premonitions at age five published a book that contained an ominous prediction. In around 2020, a severe pneumonia-like illness was spread throughout the globe, attacking the lungs and the bronchial tubes and resisting all known treatments, it said. Almost more baffling than the illness itself will be the fact that it will suddenly vanish as quickly as it arrived, attack again 10 years later, and then disappear completely. The prediction faded from public memory as, and the book's author, Sylvia Brown, died in 2013. But the coronavirus pandemic has brought a new attention to Brown's book, End of Days, Predictions and Prophecies about the End of the World. It shot up to number two on Amazon's nonfiction chart when, in reality... It's fi- it should be fiction, not nonfiction. Say, yeah. Why are they putting it on the I was like, why are you, chart? Amazon, you're also not... <laughs> you're not helping. You're not helping. <laughs> Physical copies of this book are now selling for hundreds of dollars because people are so, like, uh, about this. Oh, my God. So, basically, as you, as you know, so because bananas. you live in 2020, government and public health officials have issued all sorts of guidelines to help people protect themselves from the spread of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. But, basically, this contagion that they are having a hard time trying to stop is misinformation, fake news, mm-hmm. and the plague of prophets warning that the coronavirus is a sign that we're at the end of days. <sighs> and so a lot of doomsday warnings like Brown's prediction are spreading online, basically blending these coronavirus fears with everything from like political paranoia and like locusts and wa- Australian wildfires and all of that. So basically, a lot of these people who study religion and prophecies for a living and then also psychiatrists and people in the mental health world are saying that these people need 
to stop because they're harming people's spiritual and psychological health. For example, there's this Catholic theologian at the University of Notre Dame in Indiana named Ulrich, uh, Ulrich Lenner. Whenever he finds someone on social media, like a, a preacher or another religious figure, warning that COVID-19 means the end of the world is near, he is tempted to tweet back the response, Matthew 24, 36, basically saying that Jesus says about the end of the world that about that day, no out or no that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Basically, Jesus says, you don't know the hour, but there are some self-appointed prophets who seem to think they know more than the angels around God's throne. Basically, this theologian says. Basically, Jesus says, you're not God. Shut the fuck up. Right. And so this this theologian who's like studying religion wants to like remind yeah. all these other, you know, religious figures like, bitch, you're not special. <laughs> yeah. You think you're God? You yeah. think you know more than God? Okay. Yeah. And basically he says that those people are devilish, right? They yeah. are being evil mm-hmm. under the guise of being religious. Yeah. Basically, there are other people also trying to invoke the terrifying imagery of the book of Revelations mm-hmm. in connection with COVID-19 and the year 2020 and mm-hmm. saying that they're damaging people's psychological health by thinking that like you're seizing, you're already latching onto people's panic about this actual illness that can harm you Mm -hmm. and then by seizing on to like oh this illness is going to take us all out like this is the end of days you're basically leading everyone else to a call to inaction for the bigger problems in society Mm -hmm. climate change human survival right you know taking care of the actual sick and poor in our society and saying that you're basically going to make everyone just be inactive because they're like, well, I guess the world is ending anyway. Like, what can I do about it? And there, yeah, there are a lot of people who are vulnerable who can very easily believe that and who think this is it. Yeah. And like anxiety is hella common. Be nice to your friends with anxiety. Exactly. And so don't spread shit about COVID-19 being the end of times, right? No. And if you see people spreading that shit, be like, what <laughs> the hell yeah. is wrong with you? Be like, look at your life, look at your choices. What do you think you're accomplishing by saying this? Right, exactly. Because it's not helping, Mm-mm. so what do you think you're doing? Yeah. So let's talk about sillier or spookier Yay. doomsday prophecies than the one that, the actual chaos that we're <laughs> experiencing day to day. I love it. Which, again, is not the end of days. It just means we need to do no. better as a society. Okay, so let's talk about the Seekers. Their prediction was December 24th, 1955, which... Everybody remembers when the world ended in 1955, right? Right, yeah. Just me? We're going to have a lot of dates here that you're going to be like, wait, but it's 2020. Time kept going. (laughs) Wait a second. So in December 1954, a headline in the Chicago Tribune read, Doctor warns of disasters in World Tuesday, worse to come in 1955, he declares. The doctor. But the fact that he named Tuesday is really funny to me. Right. Oh, you guys know Tuesday? It's going to be bad on Tuesday. It's going to be bad on Tuesday. (laughs) The doctor, Charles Laffed, was a follower of Dorothy Martin, a 54 year old housewife from Oak Park, Illinois. Martin believed that aliens from the planet Clarion had beamed down messages (laughs) informing her that a massive flood would soon destroy the planet. Her wild prophecies attracted a small group of followers known as the Seekers, many of whom had quit their jobs and sold their belongings in anticipation of the end. They they gathered at Martin's home on Christmas Eve 1955, singing Christmas carols while they waited to be saved by aliens and their flying saucers. As the night wore on, Martin's followers became increasingly impatient. Finally, at 4.45 a.m. on Christmas Day, Martin announced that God had been so impressed by their actions that he would no longer destroy the earth. The story was like, you guys, just now when you said, God rest ye merry gentlemen, God loved that. So anyway, the world's not ending now. (laughs) He was like, ooh, you guys were crushing it. That soloist, top notch, no pitchiness, no comments. Apocalypse averted. So a great little offshoot of this story is that a small group of psychologists and students organized by the University of Minnesota psychologist Leon Festinger actually infiltrated the Seekers in an effort to study and better understand apocalyptic cults. Festinger's revealed his findings in his 1956 book, When Prophecy Fails, a social and psychological study of a modern group that predicted the destruction of the world. This work was that would an be early exploration. To do. Right? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I'm like, ooh, I would, uh, I'm like, ooh, would I go undercover as a cult just to see what they did when their prophecy doesn't come true? But then I think about, like, modern cults like Scientology, and then I'm sad. 
Mm-mm, yeah. Basically, it was an early exploration of the psychologist's now famous theory of cognitive dissonance. Oh. A term that refers to the human tendency to rationalize when one's thoughts and actions are in disagreement. There was also Harold Camping, who predicted the end of the world a little earlier than the Mayans in May 21st, 2011, but also <gasps> 1994. First you- of all, May 21st, 2011 is exactly 15 days after I graduated from college. Sorry, 14 days. Oh my god, he predicted the end of the world for two weeks to the day after I graduated college. Excuse me? How dare you? <laughs> I'm so offended. Mayan tablets being like, by the way, this thing was also happening 14 days after yeah. Courtney's graduation. <laughs> I'm telling, that's exactly how the Mayans would have been. They would have been like, it's happening 14 days after Courtney redacted, graduated from college, and <laughs> exactly one year before we said the world was gonna end. Have a right? great time! Huh? So, basically, like I said before about the Bible, saying that no one knows except the Father when the world is going to (laughs) end, basically, Harold Camping was like, but what if the Bible is actually numeric code and more people can figure this out? But what if I do know more than God? Right. Let me just (laughs) spit in the face of God and slap him upside the head and be like, I can figure it out, bitch. Um, (laughs) So... Harold Camping was a retired engineer who believed that the Bible was a numeric code book that could be deciphered to reveal clues about the end times. He was the founder of the independent ministry Family Radio International and first predicted that the world would end in September 1994. But when his 1994 apocalypse failed to materialize, he said that the error was attributed to incomplete research. He needed to keep studying it. Oh, so then, my bad guys. Then he made another prediction, May 21st, 2011. In an interview with New York Magazine on May 11th, 2011, the 89-year-old was brimming with confidence, saying, God has given so much information in the Bible about this and so many proofs and so many signs that we know it is absolutely going to happen without question at all. Camping was also so certain that his ministry spent millions of dollars plastering Judgment Day message on more than 5,000 billboards and 20 recreational vehicles as a warning to the general public. He also published a book ominously titled 1994? Question mark. When May 21st oh, came you and went... to love the confidence with which he'd already been wrong once, but the second time he was like, no, this time, so you guys will see. The confidence... With which white men... Yeah. I like, just... I yearn to have the confidence of a mediocre white man. Right. I so, would never... After getting the apocalypse wrong once, you would never hear from me again. Mm-mm. I would yeet myself into the sun. I would be like, I'm be so like, fucking embarrassed. I'd be like, I cannot believe that I went so public and was so publicly wrong. It's... Oh it's my god. a form of, like... Narcissism? Narcissism, Yes. It's just a form yeah. of narcissism, basically. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine being so then so confident to then be like, "Yes, I was wrong before, but this time I'm absolutely right, and I'm going to spend millions of dollars on RVs that say the world is ending." Come so on. when May twenty first came and went without interruption, camping Spoiler did alert, the world didn't end. What any good doomsayer would, he blamed the mistake on mathematical error and moved the date back to October twenty first, twenty eleven. Also, didn't Three happen. Three weeks after my birthday. Six days after I turned 21 and drank <gasps> like the world was ending. No, I'm that just kidding. That motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Maybe so anyway. that's the end of the world he saw as you drank like the world was ending. Yeah. So, yeah. Didn't happen. All right. So then there's <laughs> True Way, which predicted 1988. So before you and I graced this We're, earth. Yeah. So Taiwanese religious leader Han Ming Chen established Chen Tao, or True Way, a religious movement that blended elements of Christianity, Buddhism, UFO conspiracy theories, and Taiwanese folk religion. Chen preached that God would appear on U.S. television Channel 18 on March 25, 1988, to announce that he would descend to Earth the following week in a physical form identical to Chen. The following year, he prophesied millions of devil spirits, together with massive flooding, would result in a mass extinction of the human population. Followers could be spared by buying their way aboard spaceships disguised as clouds sent to rescue them. Okay, I have questions. One, when he says buying their way onto spaceships, from whom are they buying? From, From Chen. Oh, Okay, so he's just in good with the aliens? He's in good with... He, he's he got this all okay. figured out. Remember, okay. God is going to come to Earth in the physical form resembling Chen. Okay, that's yeah. right. I forgot about that part. I was so 
flummoxed by, wait, who do we give the money to? Right. Because I was just imagining being like, do you take American Express to the aliens <laughs> in their cloud spaceships? And two, cloud spaceships? Cloud spaceships. You got to disguise disguise yourselves as clouds. You yeah, know, that thing made out of questions. water. <laughs> this makes sense. I now think the world ended in 1988. So. Yep. <laughs> William Branham and the Pentecostal Prediction is the next one. Just before sunset on February 28th, 1963, residents of northwestern Arizona watched what the Arizona Republic called a strikingly beautiful and mysterious cloud glide across the desert. That same day... A cloud, you say? A cloud, yes. <laughs> this was 27... No. I don't know math. I can't do head math. But this is before 1988. This is 1963. <gasps> 25 years before. 25 years. Okay, there we go. Thank you for the head math. <laughs> You're welcome. I wasn't even we going to try. We English majors. We don't have to do math. Yeah. My computer calculates student grades for me, so. Yeah. Your phone, which is currently dead, is actually a calculator, so. Yeah. The same day that this cloud that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Pentecostal pastor William Branham, who founded the post-World War II faith healing movement, sure. climbed Sunset Mountain and claimed he met seven angels who revealed to him the meaning of the seven seals of the Book of Revelation. Days later, Branham returned to his congregation at the Branham Tabernacle in Jeffersonville, Indiana. He preached seven sermons in seven nights, explaining the meaning of the seals and the seven visions he had received, leading him to predict that Jesus would return to Earth in 1977. Lots of sevens there. He There's did a Fratelli live... song called Seven Nights, Seven Days. Do you think that could be involved? Probably not. <laughs> oh, Unless they're Pentecostal, then. I don't know. They're Scottish. Okay. Does that help? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know anything about anything. Oh. Um, but anyway, William Brenham did not live to see the day, because in oh. December 1965, as Brenham was driving with his family in Texas, a drunk driver smashed into his car, and he died six days later on Christmas Eve. Oh, shit. That's, and also, Jesus did not return to Earth in 1977. I was going to make a glib comment about that's one way to avoid being wrong about the apocalypse, but damn. Damn, right? Yeah. All right, so Haley's comment, ni- May 1910, a unique astronom- astronomical event is a good way to, like, get people to be scared about the end of the world. So... Halley's Comet is a ball of icy dust that's visible from Earth every 76 years. And when this celestial body was scheduled to make a pass in 1910, the claims of impassioned astronomers at the Chicago Yerkes Observatory inspired fear in a surprising number of people. They insisted that the comet's tail was made of poisonous cyanogen gas, and when Earth passed through it on May 18th, the toxic fume would cause widespread death. Some opportunists tried to profit from the hysteria, selling comet pills, masks, bottled oxygen, and other things intended to help people survive the noxious Armageddon. Real quick. Yeah. How has no one created a rock band called Comet Pills? Ooh. Right? Free band name. Take it. Yeah. If you're thinking of starting a band and you call yourselves the Comet Pills, all that we ask for is that in your liner notes on your first yeah. album, you thank Just us. Just say special thanks, Boop Hour. Yeah. As the deadly date approached, some concerned citizens stuffed towels under their doors and covered their keyholes with paper to protect themselves from the gas clouds. Others refused to go to work, choosing instead to stay home with their families or seek refuge in their churches. Conversely, those not taken by the apocalyptic predictions watched the night pass without incident at rooftop comet parties held across the United States, which basically sounds like the opposite of 2020, where you have dum-dums having parties and going out Memorial Day weekend and, like, flooding beaches and, like, having house parties rather than staying indoors. The Earth probably did actually pass through the comet's tail, but there was no apparent effect. Again, like you said earlier about the magnetic... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we got a lot of shit between us and space. Yeah, it's we're so, fine. Yeah. So let me skip ahead to Heaven's Gate in 1997. And this one is actually scary and leaves me with nightmares because I hate cults with suicide shit. But yeah. Marshall Applewhite... Think of how hard I came down on you when you were considering getting bangs. If you were considering joining a cult, it would be so much worse. It would be so much worse. Yeah, this this shit scares me. So Marshall Applewhite was the leader of Heaven's Gate, which was a cult founded in Texas during the early 1970s. The group moved to the American Southwest, where Applewhite began to preach about a spaceship that would spare true believers from the apocalypse and take them to the heavenly level above human. After two decades of proselytizing in the desert, Heaven's Gate moved to California, where they started a web consulting business called The Higher Source to fund their activities. They, there they lived in a sprawling Spanish-style house and reportedly watched episodes of X-Files and Star Trek religiously. Aww. Um, Heaven's Sweet Gate took nerds. a... Right? It was like a bunch of nerds, but then also in a cult with a bad, yeah. bad man leading them. Yeah, it was a nerdy them. cult, yeah. 
Heaven's Gate took a grim turn in 1997, the year that the comet Halley-Bopp shined brightly in the night sky. It all started on November 14th, 1996, when Applewhite and his followers were listening to Art Bell's Coast to Coast, a radio show dedicated to UFO topics. During the program, an amateur astronomer called in and claimed to have photographed a mysterious object hiding in the Halley-Bopp's tail. This was all the evidence that Applewhite needed to confirm that his spaceship prophecy from the 1970s was coming true. He and his group soon began preparations to board the UFO through execution of a mass suicide. When police entered the California compound on March 26, 1997, they found 39 bodies dressed in black tunics with a cloth draped over their heads. They had killed themselves with a cocktail of vodka and barbiturates or by smothering themselves with plastic bags. And it's so, all fun in games and cults until death starts kicking in. Right. Then it's no longer fun. While you were talking, I just remembered and I pulled it up and confirmed. The Heaven's Gate website, you know how the Space Jam website is still as perfectly preserved as yeah, it was yeah, yeah. You know, 20 whatever years ago? Sure. The Heaven's Gate website is the same way. And oh, it is wow. a time capsule of 1990. Like, it's still up. It's presumably exactly the same that it was Mm -hmm. 23 years ago but just like yeah it's a bummer about the heaven's gate cult for a lot of reasons like with all cults bunch of people died and that sucks but the way they recruited people they were promising like ways to be better we're gonna build this like utopia and we're Mm. gonna do it by being nice to each other so they were preying on people who were already vulnerable which you know i hate if you re- listen to our um, cults episode, it's a lot of yeah. it's a lot of narcissists preying on vulnerable people who d- want a sense of belonging. Yeah, it sucks ass. Yeah, it's awful. Let's talk about one more cult that cult doomsday thing that freaks me Go out, and it. then we'll talk about stuff that makes me laugh instead. Okay. Yay! So Shoko Asahara which was 1997 to 2000. This mm-hmm. one pisses me off to no end because of the deaths they caused. It wasn't, I mean, so does Heaven's Gate, but that's like, they all kept their death kind of contained to within themselves. their cult. Yeah. This one, they caused, they, they killed a bunch of people. Yeah, they sure Because did. they were so wrapped up in their cult bullshit. So basically their mindset was, why wait for the apocalypse if you can make it happen yourself? And that was the mindset. A DIY apocalypse, right. if you will. Um, and this is the mindset of Japanese doomsday prophet Shoko Asahara, mm-hmm. who was born Chizo Matsumoto in 1955. Asahara was completely blind in one eye and partially sightless in the other. And his rise as a cult leader began after he was arrested in 1982 for selling fake cures from his traditional Chinese apothecary business. Mm. The would-be prophet was reportedly crushed by the incident which left him embarrassed and bankrupt. Again, some people feel embarrassment when they fuck up, right? But this embarrassment didn't last long. In 1984, Asahara opened a yoga studio boasting that he had achieved satori, which is a Japanese term for enlightenment, claiming that, Mm. and then also claimed that he could levitate. I wish I could levitate, but I would never claim that outright. He established the Aum Shinrikyo religion in 1987, a name derived from a sacred Hindu symbol and a Japanese word that translates as supreme truth. He soon gave more than 10,000 followers in Japan and 30,000 to 40,000 in Russia and even produced several candidates to run in the 1990 Japanese legislative elections. There are still Shinrikyo members who run for public office even to this day. Like, it's still an active group. As Asahara's success increased, his behavior became increasingly peculiar. He began encouraging his followers to drink his bathwater and blood and claimed that he could save them from the apocalypse, which he believed would occur after a poison gas attack sometime between 1997 and 2000. Mm. Perhaps in an effort to speed along this process, Aum members boarded five trains on March 20th, 1995, releasing toxic sarin gas into three subway lines. The attack killed 12 people and injured another 5,500. Asahara was soon arrested by Japanese authorities and sentenced to death in February of 2004. A number of other members of Aum Shinrikyo were also arrested and executed. But like I said, like there are still Shinrikyo members who run yeah. for public office and stuff now. It's batshit that like yeah. that's still like a thing. Okay, let's let's try to bring it back up. Yay! Yeah. Let's go to the Great Flood of 1524. So, Johannes Stoffler, a respected German mathematician and astrologer, predicted that a great flood would cover the world on February 25th, 1524, when all of the known planets would be in alignment under Pisces, a water sign. Uh oh. (laughs) Uh, astrology what up Um, hundreds of pamphlets announcing the coming flood were issued and set in motion a general panic 
<laughs> Count von Igelheim. <laughs> I love his name. Igelheim. Count, Count von, von Igelheim, a German nobleman. That's the lead single from Comet Pills. Count <laughs> right? von Igelheim. Count von Igelheim. A German nobleman went so far as to build a three-story ark. Though there was a light rain on the day of the predicted flood, no actual oh. flooding materialized. That's somehow worse than if it were just sunny. Right. Because, like, as soon as that light rain started, you know he was just like, Johannes Stoffler was like, there we go! I told you! And then, like, it cleared up and there were just some puddles and he was like, like fuck. Oh. <laughs> Somehow so much worse. <laughs> the Great Fire of London in 1666. Because the Bible calls 666 the number of the beast, many Christians in 17th century Europe feared the world would end in the year 1666. The Great Aww. London Fire, which lasted from September 2nd to September 5th of that year, destroyed much of the city, including 87 parish churches and about 13,000 houses. Many saw it as a fulfillment of the end of the world prophecy. But... But given the, such a large amount of property damage, though, the death toll of the fire was actually only reported about 10 people. Wow. <laughs> so not quite the that's end of like, the world, just the yeah, end of a nothing. lot of houses. Take that, Mrs. O'Leary's cow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was, in 1806, the prophet hen of Leeds. In 1806, a domesticated hen in Leeds, England, appeared to lay eggs in... Oh my in god, it's a literal hen! It's a literal hen. It I'm appeared so to lay eggs inscribed with the message, Christ is coming. Great numbers of people reportedly visited the hen and began to despair of the coming judgment day. It was soon discovered, however, that the eggs were not, in fact, prophetic messages, but the work of their owner who had been writing on the eggs in corrosive ink and reinserting them into the poor hen's body. Oh my so God. it was an act of animal cruelty, how ultimately. How dare you do that to right? the prophet I'm hen. like, how would you do that to the poor prophet hen? The hen that was promised. Right. What did the hen do to you? I'm so emotional about this hen that's been dead for like hundreds of years. Right. <laughs> I'm like, Fucking... oh my God, that poor hen. <laughs> All right, we're almost done here because we're going to talk about Y2K. <laughs> <laughs> the year 2000. You guys remember when the world ended in 2000? If, I'm going to keep making that joke because every time it's fucking funny. It's so funny. <laughs> Basically, the year 2000, just by being the number 2000, like, like, oh, we've somehow reached a limit, sparked a number of Doomsday Scare, but none was more prominent than the actual Y2K computer glitch. The problem was this. When the computer codes were first written, dates were abbreviated to two digits in order to save memory. For example, 1998 would simply be written 98. The system worked just fine until 2000 when the date code 00 threatened to cause inaccurate calculations. A 1998 feature story from Microsoft offers an excellent example to illustrate the perceived problem. Example, you say you buy a new refrigerator in 1999 with a credit card. The bank will run into problems in 2000 when it tries to calculate the interest owed and subtracts the transaction date 99 from the current date 00. The computer is going to come up with a number negative 99. <laughs> Some people believe that this glitch would cause apocalyptic consequences. According to these gloomy predictions, at the stroke of midnight on January 1st, 2000, airplanes would drop from the sky, elevators would plummet from the tops of skyscrapers. Again, I don't understand how. I was and the world but a wee barren in 2000, but we went to a barbecue at my dad's co-worker's house, and they were legit Y2K doomsday preppers. That's like, so crazy. their basement was full of, like, canned goods and shit, and like, they asked my mom what steps she was taking, and my mom was like, None? Like, they also predicted that the world economy would come to a screeching halt, hence why your family friend were doomsday preppers, right? Right. In response to these fears, U.S. government and American corporations spent a total of $108.8 billion on Y2K computer fixes. In the oh, end, boy. nothing fell from the sky, but the world's computers did manage to disrupt some credit card terminals in Britain and send out some bills that were supposedly due in 1900. <laughs> to oh. the relief of billions, civilization survived almost completely unscathed. I remember seeing stickers on computers that were like Y2K safe or Y2K compatible. <laughs> just so like I think kids would also like not freak out. I love how dumb people are. For the actual apocalypse that might destroy us, however, actual respected science. Most yes. scholars agree that 7.6 billion years from now. So That's right. Billion with a B. 7.6 billion 2020. <laughs> 
<laughs> the sun will enter its red giant phase when it has converted all of its hydrogen into helium. This will cause the sun to expand to a size of 20% greater than that of Earth's orbit and shine 3,000 times brighter. Once this stage is complete, the sun will collapse into a white dwarf. Whether this process will actually destroy the planet Earth is a topic of debate in the scientific community. If the Earth were to stay in its current orbit, it would undoubtedly be engulfed and vaporized by the expanding sun. However, as the sun swells, it will also lose mass, meaning that the Earth will drift farther away from it and perhaps escape total destruction. Interesting. Either way, this process would destroy life as we know it if there is any life left to destroy. In 7.2 billion years. 7.6 billion years. Oh, sorry. Add another point four to I'm that. I'm so sorry. I shorted it by 400 million years. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, great news. I can tie this to my beloved Bogman. His most recent album, Wasteland Baby, is about the inevitable heat death of the universe. And there's, there's literally a song that's about the inevitable heat death of the universe. And the title track on Wasteland Baby features a very comforting line. One, there's a line on the day that we watched the death of the sun, but there's also the line, not a, an end, but the start of all things that are left to do. Ah. Isn't that nice? That, that's really nice. I'm glad we ended it on that. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, wash your hands and wear a mask when you go outside. Stay home if you can. You know, do, do the things that you can to make the world better. Do them yeah. safely. Keep yourself safe and healthy. Doomsday is not happening. Us having a pandemic right now is, it sucks. It sucks yeah. ass. Oh, yeah. But it's not the end of the world. Yeah. I, it just sucks. Just, you know, do your best. Obviously, it's not feasible for everybody to stay home. Don't feel bad if you can't. But, yeah. you know, if you're able to, exercise that privilege. Put your feet up. Watch some Netflix. Yeah. It's great. Check out The Great on Hulu. Listen to Hosier's latest album. Do your best. Yeah. Wash your hands. Yeah. Thank you for listening. This yeah. is a long one. Even with yeah. editing, this is going to be a little long. But remember how last week we said we were short? Yeah. Great news. This week we're long. We made it up works for it. Out. What even is an hour? We just don't know. <laughs> In 7.6 billion years, it won't matter because the sun will explode. Yeah. As always, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Spoop Hour. Email spoophour at gmail.com. Your thoughts on the apocalypse. Come j- hang out with us at Livestream for the Cure, 11 a.m. May 31st. Yep. East Coast time. And that's the other thing. We're doing a giveaway during our segment. Mm-hmm. So if you are the highest dollar donor during our segment, you will be mailed from us a personalized thank you note from me. So you get to see my serial killer handwriting, which is always fun. And the cards have really cute bats on them. And two, you will also get a complete set of the chonky cryptid stickers. Mm-hmm. We're talking jackalope. Chupacabra, Jersey Devil, and Mothman. And we'll throw in a couple Spoop Hour logo stickers for your time. So all you gotta do is tune into Livestream for the Cure at 11am on the 31st, which is this coming Sunday, and make a donation. If you're the highest donation, you'll get the stickers! So we look forward to seeing you then. Stay safe. Much love. Spoiler alert, world didn't end. I'm Nick. I'm Justin. And I'm Brian. We are the Epic Film Guys. We want to let you know that the fourth annual Livestream for the Cure is only a couple weeks away. Every single dollar raised goes to the Cancer Research Institute to help us fight for a future immune to cancer. And once again, donations will be doubled. Join us May 27th through the 31st for 48 hours of content from creators around the world. Please help us spread the word so we can smash our goal of $10,000. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com to make an early donation and to learn more about the event. Together, we can make a difference.